Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 132 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is ADHD, autism, obesity, and sleep disorders. Uh, these, these are conditions that really are challenging for family caregivers as well as their family members. They're challenging because the conditions and their interactions with each other aren't well, well enough understood. They're challenging because there aren't any definite medical cures. And they're also challenging because family caregivers are more and more actively involved in overcoming the challenges, even by developing their own programs. So therefore, this is a very good topic for us to be discussing, a very timely topic. Now, to discuss it, our guests are Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. Now, first of all, Dr. Dr. Levy is a pediatrician and bariatric nutrition specialist with a multidisciplinary medical practice in Toronto that treats severely overweight children and adults. His medical research focuses on finding treatable causes of weight gain and of weight loss failure in ch children and adults. And through his research, he's already established that untreated mood disorders, chronic pain syndromes, sleep disorders, and disorders of impulse control are the primary causes of weight gain and the inability to keep weight off during dieting or after dieting. He's published formal research studies proving that treating the particular clinical problems does result in sustainable weight loss. And he works closely with bariatric surgeons in Toronto, assisting patients to obtain the best results before and after weight loss surgery. Kim Banting is a registered nutritional consultant. She graduated with honors from the Global College of Natural Medicine, and she's a member of the International Organization of Nutritional Consultants. She began her own business, Flourish, in 2009. Previously, she'd worked as a personal chef. And as a personal chef, she worked with a client who used a whole foods diet and an elimination progress process to target food sensitivities. Witnessing his health improvements over a period of weeks convinced 
Kim to return to school and link her passion for nutrition with optimal wellness. So now she strives to educate her clients about the impact food has on their health as individuals. And she believes that it's possible to improve any health condition by choosing the correct food to suit the person's biochemical individuality. So welcome to the show, Lance and Kim. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. Now, to start with you, please. Lance, please tell us more about your background as a physician and your personal experience, if any, with family caregiving. Um, well, as you said earlier, uh, I, I began my, my career about as a, as a pediatrician, having trained at the Hospital for Sick Children here in Toronto and went on to do a master's degree in nutritional sciences, thinking that uh, back then, it's a long time ago, but 30 years ago, nutrition was, was just peaking up over the horizon uh, as a serious contributor to, to you know, managing medical conditions. Uh, and uh, having received that training and gone out uh, uh, some years later into private practice after uh, hanging around the hospital as a ward chief for a number of years, um, I quickly discovered that much of what I'd been taught was not particularly helpful, particularly as relates to obesity, which became my, my fundamental interest. And when you're treating um, obesity or the other disorders that go with it, um, sleep problems, mood problems, chronic pain, disorders of impulse control, um, you, you, you have to treat a family because the, the child or adult, as the case may be, of course, are connected to their significant others. And if you don't understand how they, they interact with each other, um, you really can't do a proper job. And you often miss the fact that someone else is hurting, not, not just the patient. And you, you sometimes end up with, with a parent and a child as a patient. Right. Kim. Same question. Please tell us more about your background as a nutritionist and your personal experience with family caregiving. Okay. Well, um, I think I could take us way back um, because my interest in healthy food began in my family home as a child. Uh, we had a family garden. Most of our meals were homemade. Our junk food was restricted. It wasn't a daily thing. We still ate some processed foods, but there was a respect for food in its natural form, and that was ingrained in me from, a, from an early time. Um, I began working in kitchens when I was young, loved cooking. This turned into a career as a chef, and then later as a personal chef. And as you mentioned, um, it was a specific client who turned me into the idea that food could be a form of healing for the body. Um, while I was in school, I was my own guinea pig, and I was trying to improve some of my own health conditions. Um, I suffered from extreme fatigue, trouble focusing and concentrating. I had depression and anxiety. I had PMS. I had acne. I had terrible digestion, all of which, by changing my diet, are gone now. I'm really aware of how my relationship with food affects my day-to-day -day energy, my mood, my state of mind, and my overall health. And I'd say that I'm in tune with my body now that, in a way, I never was. And I don't think a lot of people are. So my practice um, is all about trying to stress the importance of this concept, listening to your body. It's always communicating with us. Not very many people are really tuned in or listening to it. Um, many people are really skeptical when I suggest that some of the food they're eating that's supposedly healthy could be contributing to their problems and that it could be improved if we targeted any of the foods that they're eating that their body may be reacting poorly to. Right. Eliminating I, these foods. Oh, 
Am I running Kim, over? Kim, I'm just going to interrupt you there because we're going to um, go into a break fairly soon and I want to talk in more detail with you about the, those last few things you've been talking about. So yeah. let me just go back to, to Lance and ask him to tell us, please, more about the work of his nutritional disorders clinic, particularly as it relates to young people with challenges like ADHD, obesity and sleep disorders. Lance? Well, I'm sure. Basically, we see referred patients only. So, uh, you know, general practitioners would refer a patient or a surgeon or an internist who they have, you know, concern about. And typically these are teenagers or young children, sometimes, uh, of course, adults who have um, obesity in my particular field where they, they, it's complicated because they've been through so many diets and they approach diets and weight loss with such skepticism because they've, they've tried so often and failed so often. And our job is to figure out why, why they gained the weight in the first place, and that usually involves a, a wide variety of, of different evaluations. Some are psych ed tests, sleep studies, uh, uh, review of school performance and report cards, a whole mishmash of things that uh, bear on, on how one manages food and even understands the differences between hunger and fullness and tiredness and anxiety. So it takes three or four visits to sort out someone's problem and, and get, get some sort of idea of why they've struggled with their, their weight. Often uh, ADHD is a problem. Often sleep disorders are a problem. We see patients with autistic spectrum disorder uh, who also suffer uh, from difficulties with sleep uh, and obesity. I'm going to go to Kim, please. It's basically the same question, but I want... We want to know more about your work as a nutritionist as it relates to young people with those challenges, you know, okay. ADHD, obesity, and so on. Okay. Your work as a nutritionist. Kim? All right. Well, really what it comes down to is I'm trying to educate the kids and their parents about the effects that the food, food additives and uh, that those have on the body as well as the potential for food sensitivities or allergies. Uh, processed foods are filled with chemical additives and preservatives, and these can cause reactions in sensitive individuals. Some of the more common ones are MSG, artificial sweeteners, artificial colors and flavors, benzoic acid. Um, these, I educate about these, uh, these products because a lot of these additives, they're deemed safe here in North America, but they're banned in other countries like Europe, Australia, and Japan. Um, food additives are tested individually, but we don't generally consume them this way. And we're seeing studies are showing that when they're consumed in combination, these chemicals are stunting nerve cell growth in rats up to seven times more than when they're consumed on their own. Experts aren't always looking at behavior changes when advising our government um, about food safety. They're looking at acute disease or death coming from the food that we're eating. So these are something that I, I really like to educate people about because I question whether or not they belong in our food supply. As well, uh, casein, a protein found in milk and dairy products. Gluten is a protein found in wheat and its family grains. These are common allergens with children with autism. Eating these foods can cause serious gut inflammation. Now, it's possible that this inflammation is damaging the integrity of the blood-brain barrier and maybe allowing in substances that wouldn't normally be there, affecting the brain's functioning. Kim, I'm going to stop you there again for the same reason. I, my only job, you know, in this show is to act as timekeeper. But I will give you a chance to talk. I just have a very quick question for, for Lance. When <laughs> patients 
are people are referred to your, you, your clinic, by family doctors and so on. Is it because of the obesity, or is it, or is it because of the other disorders that we're talking about, like ADHD and sleep disorders and so on? Which is it? Right. Um, well, primarily now it's it is because of obesity. We, I, I started out seeing patients who had wide range of nutritional problems, from uh, type two diabetes to high, you know high cholesterol. Uh, fatty liver, and so forth. Uh, what it all boiled down to eventually is that most of the people I see, uh, 90% plus percent are obese, and there's no, no reason, uh, there's nothing to explain why they failed repeatedly to lose weight, and that, that became my area of interest. So most of them have obesity, and we find that there's a very high prevalence of ADD, sleep disorders, mood disorders, and such in these people, and if you treat them, they start losing weight and keep the weight off. So really, that's a very important conclusion for this first um, first segment of our episode. And it seems to me that what you're both saying resonates with this broad point that looking after people with these sorts of problems involves a great deal of understanding of nutrition, the conditions that go along with the obesity, and just, and we're going to get into this, questions of how these are dealt with. So, uh, this is the point at which, as I always say, we have to pay the rent. So, we're going to go into the break. We will be back. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, my guest, and Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday, you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. Our topic is ADHD, autism, obesity, and sleep disorders. Now, let's talk about what's known medically, scientifically, nutritionally about the trends and links involving these conditions, you know, the ADHD, obesity, sleep disorders, as they relate to young people. So starting with you, Lance, what are the main trends that you've observed in your research and that are being reported among all these complex things? Well, um, briefly, what, what, what's clear to most people, I'm sure, is that the, the incidence of obesity has shot up dramatically uh, over the past 30, 40 years. Uh, currently in North America, about 32% of those under the age of 19 are overweight and 16.5% are clinically obese. And that's roughly a tripling. Um, you and I and everyone else knows that you, your genetics don't change in 30 years. So clearly something, something else is going on to, to cause this. In regard of uh, uh, ADHD, the prevalence is cited as 3 to 7% of people will have ADD, and yet... When you look at different populations, there's a very, very wide scatter uh, in, in, in how often it's found. In Puerto Rico, it's about 7%. In the USA, it's 68 to 16%. And in high-risk communities scattered throughout the United States and Canada, it's 50%. And the problem is we're seeing the incidence of ADHD diagnosis going up, and it's not just because we're getting better at diagnosing it. It's because there are other effects in the environment called epigenetic effects that have uh, changed how genes turn on and off, which seem to be promoting an increase uh, in this development of these syndromes, both ADHD and certainly autism. I mean, its prevalence is probably 1 in 80, which is far, far greater than anything that could have occurred by virtue of, of uh, some sort of genetic change. Uh, sleep disorders are very common. Uh, in 1900, the average person slept 9.4 hours, currently 6.6 hours. And there's, the brain just can't adapt to that, that shortened sleep and the, the change in circadian rhythm. And obesity is, is the ultimate effect, if you will, of all the chaos in our environment. Uh, problems with the mood, ADHD, sleep, sleep uh, debt, uh, sleep disorder, um, and so when we tease this apart, uh, we find that uh, many people have a variety of problems uh, leading to obesity. People with ADD are being found who do not have a strong genetic history, which normally you would expect. And uh, people with autism are showing up where there is strong genetics, but the new shift is to see it as much more likely environmental effects triggering genes to switch on and result in, the, in, in what is you know, autistic spectrum disorder. So the, I think the environment, rather than genetics, are going to be the, the new focus uh, fairly shortly, really. Right. Kim, let's go to you now. From the perspective of nutrition specialists like you, what are the trends in obesity and nutritional disorders that you see in young people? Okay. Um, well, I know that we have seen in the last several years um, a huge increase in the consumption of what I consider to be low-quality foods and a very marked decrease in the consumption of fresh foods. And this looks like it may possibly be correlated as well with allergies, obesity, and inflammation in the body. Um, we've also seen this recent rapid rise in childhood obesity that corresponds with a possible increase in food sensitivities. Um, chronic inflammation can be caused by food sensitivities, and this seems to be at the root of metabolic disorders like obesity and diabetes. 
you know, your immune system chemicals block insulin receptors and sugar ends up being stored as fat. Um, I also see every, virtually every client that walks through my door has terrible digestion. Um, and I'm always stress, stressing the importance of healthy digestion to anyone who's willing to listen to me. Um, these processed foods that kids are eating are damaging to the digestive tract. Your ability to break down, absorb, and assimilate the food you eat is imperative to your health. Uh, your digestive system and our hormones are major components of the body's communication system, which impacts your brain function. Um, deal, when you heal the digestive tract and improve your nutrition, you can optimize your brain health. Um, I talked to people about somatopsychic um, illness, which is when the body affects the mind. So your nutritional status, your hormone imbalances, uh, food allergies, toxins, immune imbalances, metabolic disturbances, all of these influence mood, behavior, attention, and attitude. Um, I, I see very clearly what is a pattern between the consumption of junk food, which is devoid of nutrients, and its impact on the brain and the body. Um, we just don't see a lot of people who are eating high-quality whole foods that are suffering from sleep disorders and um, ADHD. Uh, these things aren't coming up for these people very as regularly as they are with people who are eating a poor-quality diet. Got it. Lance, uh, from your research, please outline for us the ways in which disorders such as ADHD and sleep disorders and those kinds of things are linked with obesity. In other words, what, what are the mechanisms inside the body, the kind of things that Kim has just been talking about that you're seeing? Sure. Um, if you think about uh, how one regulates food, and that's where we usually start in explaining it to a patient, uh, those of us who have normal weight would typically know at some point that we're hungry and we'd go and get food and at some point we'd stop eating because we'd f feel that we were uh, full or satiated. Uh, those are two different print concepts, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll leave it at that. There are people who, uh, under the influence of problems with attention, problems with time management, problems with sleep debt, problems with mood, uh, don't get signals of hunger and fullness, thirst, uh, fatigue, uh, nearly as quickly as other people do. Many people with ADD don't know that they're hungry until they're starving, and they suddenly realize at 3 in the afternoon they missed lunch. And then, of course, they'll eat very quickly, and as Kim said, they, they will uh, grab whatever's near to hand, which obviously may, may well be junk food. People who are sleep-deprived uh, are well uh, known to be eating uh, more than they realize uh, because their working memory is impaired. Their, their ability to be conscious of what they're doing with food is actually impaired when you're sleepy. And believe me, it doesn't take a lot of sleep debt to cause that. In fact, people who score on a sleep score called the Epworth scale, who are just mildly sleepy, burn about 300 calories less a day than the same person who would not be sleepy. So... Um, the reasons for this is that in order to, to gain weight, you have to persistently take in more calories than you burn. Now, if you're sleepy, you're going to move less and you're going to use food to try and power up. Therefore, excess calories. If you have ADD, you're not going to pay attention to hunger signals until you're too hungry, at which point you are going to eat quickly and you're going to overeat. Uh, and that's grossly simplifying a very complex uh, matter. People with ADD also uh, cannot manage time. 
They have great difficulty being distracted by things going on around them. And so they don't uh, get to meals and snacks and choose the right food, even though they start off doing that on a standard diet. So we found right. that unless you treat this stuff, uh, you, you really can't make headway. Right. Kim, um, please talk, tell us more about the ways in which nutritionists understand and approach obesity as a challenge for young people. Kim? Okay. Well, the food that's causing the most problems is food that's always available. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, these kids, their peers are eating it. We all, especially kids, are social eaters. They don't want to stand out by choosing to pack a lunch when their friends are going out. They don't want to have a salad or something that's quote-unquote healthy when their friends are having pizza. Um, and we also really just enjoy eating this kind of food. It tastes good. Uh, when faced with eating French fries or carrots, most people, including myself, might want to eat the French fries instead. So my intervention is about changing the person's relationship with food. Uh, this is a really long ordeal for some kids because we associate so much comfort and pleasure from food. Um, I generally begin with recommended reading material that I think might be, um, if it's age appropriate, if I think the child could identify or relate with it. And then we just begin discussing the various ways the food that we're eating can affect us. I draw them into conversation in a way that they may chat with a friend because I want to gain their trust. Um, I insist on these kids keeping a food journal. Again, that's age appropriate for younger children. The parents can help. Um, and I start to show them through this food journal which foods they're eating every day or several times a day. When they're, like Lance said, going long periods of time without eating at all, a lot of these kids are skipping breakfast or, you know, they won't eat until 5 o'clock in the evening. Um, I also can point out um, the food that they're eating the most. Is this a favorite food or is it something that they're craving? We're seeing a possibility that strong likes and dislikes are a sign of food sensitivities um, because we can become addicted to those foods. Um, I convince the kids to cut out these foods completely for two to four weeks and just take notice of any changes in their mental health, their physical health, their, their emotional well-being. Um, we can then try reintroducing the food and, again, taking notice of any idiosyncrasies. And this is a huge eye-opener for these kids. At this point, I generally have their full attention. But this doesn't mean the battle's over because it's lifelong. The biggest challenge is getting the kids to care about their health and getting their busy parents or caregivers to care enough as well because it's hugely time-consuming. Um, I stay with them for as long as it takes and offer plenty of time via phone or email to answer questions or just give emotional support um, because that's, that's needed quite often. Right. Just quickly to, to both of you, what's coming through to me from what you're saying, and it's very impressive, is that uh, on the one hand, behavior is important um, because it leads to the kind of things, Kim, that you've just been talking about, the, the way the kids eat. Uh, behavior is also important because it's an expression very often of the kind of conditions that Lance has been talking about. But the end product is something very much physically wrong with the body, or at least that's what we all believe, called obesity. So this, uh, if you like, um, crossover 
between what you're both saying, I think is very important and very instructive. And I think we're going to talk more about that uh, in a moment. Now, once again, the um, time has come for us to take the short break. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Adler, my guests are Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned, we're definitely coming back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Michelle Core Six Degrees is your connected consciousness. Six Degrees is what comes around, goes around radio. Committed to delivering a fresh perspective on thought-provoking, investigative information that can change your life. Six Degrees connects you to the social and emotional scene and is your trusted advisor from finance to romance, mainstream to metaphysical. It's a positive, upbeat look at life, love, and the pursuit of passion. Get connected Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for an open, informative, and fun discussion on health, wellness, and a whole lot more? If so, you'll need to tune in to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie, featuring award-winning TV host Forbes Riley and multimedia producer, author, and CEO Charlie Fusco. Our show is real, honest, opinionated, and full of laughs. Our well-known guests of authors, experts, and celebrities will give you the inside scoop on health, fitness, and personal success. The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. Our topic is ADHD autism, obesity, and sleep disorders. Now let's talk about information for family caregivers in supporting their role in caring for family members with some combination of these uh, conditions um, where the end product is so often, so to speak, obesity. So Lance, first of all, please highlight the types of questions that family caregivers should ask physicians um, particularly family physicians, because they're the ones who are going to refer to you, providing care for young family members with some combination of those conditions and obesity. Lance? Sure. Um, one of the things I think that, that perhaps is, is important but people are shy to ask about is to ask the physician what their beliefs are. Um, regrettably, many people believe that uh, ADD is bunk, or that, you know, if you're overweight, you just should um, smarten up, pull up your socks, and, and, and get, get with it. And, of course, none of that's true. Um, ADHD and obesity and autism and sleep disorders and digestive problems, these are typically medical problems. And I, I'm rather fond of the expression, which I didn't make up myself, but it's that these are, these are chemistry problems. These are not character flaws. 
So I, I think it's very important to have a position that's sort of simpatico with the idea that kids and teens and adults do the best they can if they can. And if they're not doing well, it's not because they're lazy, crazy, or stupid. It's because they can't. And, and not, not to be judgmental. You have to uh, look at uh, what the various options are that would explain a person who basically knows what a breakfast should be or a lunch should be, for that matter, and knows what the lifestyle changes they need to make are, and does it for a week or two or three and loses some weight, and then it all falls apart. Well, the question we, answered, we, we asked ourselves rather 30 years ago was, why is that happening? Because these people are motivated in other areas of their life, and they work hard with their teachers, if they're kids, they play on their teams, they, they try all sorts of things. So the, the physician um, has to understand that nobody is this way because they want to be, no one's faking it, and there, there are usually a combination of causes for each of these be it autism, obesity, sleep disorders, ADHD, depression, and so on. So I think the most important thing when you're talking to a physician is to ascertain their beliefs. And I think you should go armed with some questions, uh, having done a little bit of reading about each of these, these problems so that you're, um, you can make your points uh, and at least hear what the physician has to say about them. Right. Kim, same question. What are the types of questions that family caregivers should ask nutritionists, that is you, people like you, who are advising them about young family members with some combination of these conditions and obesity? Kim? Okay, well, generally speaking, any, any good holistic nutritionist is going to cover these topics. Um, but at the top of the list, I would say allergy or sensitivity testing asking about uh, the different types of testing that are available, which ones are recommended for them specifically. Um, I personally do blood testing for IgG and IgE, um, IgE being acute reaction uh, allergies and IgG being a delayed response. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to this as with anything, but uh, that's my preference. Um, ask your nutritionist for tips on shopping and food preparation how to be prepared so that you can succeed as a family. Um, how can you save money? How can you be the most efficient um, in your kitchen and use your time well? Talk to your uh, practitioner about where to find community support, online support, recommended reading. Um, talk to your practitioner about anything else that could be contributing to the problem, um, like your circadian rhythm, uh, your hormone balance. Uh, whether or not the individual exercises. If it's an older child, do they use drugs or alcohol, and is that affecting them? Um, could they stand uh, to try detoxifying or have a hair element analysis done, which is testing for toxins in the hair or deficiencies, if you will? Um, another really great thing to talk about with your practitioner is about probiotics and where do they fit in. Um, probiotics influence your immune system that, 80% of your immune system is attached to your gut, and your genes are influenced by probiotics. It helps them to express in a positive, disease-fighting manner. You're looking to have about 85% healthy flora to 15% pathogenic. Um, pathogens always live in the digestive tract, but we need to keep them at bay. Now, that's... I'll come into later about this, but I'm, again, seeing this convergence. You're both coming at the challenges from different perspectives, but you're arriving, I think, 
rather strongly in some of the same places. And I think that's a very important message for um, family caregivers. And these questions that you've been putting forward, I think, help that will help very much the kind of discussions that family caregivers need to have with their practitioners that they're consulting. Now, Lance, over to you. I'd like you to outline for us the role you see for family caregivers in caring for young family members with some combination of these things that we've been talking about that, w- that end up with obesity and sleep disorders. Lance? Sure. Um, I, I think that... Um let me, let me say this. Most of the caregivers are, are very stressed themselves. I think one of the first things you want to know is that you're also stressed, and there, there are research studies to support that. Um, joining groups, uh, parent groups, uh, groups of, uh, where there is support and, and, uh, and teaching is, is very helpful. When you're going to uh, help your own child or teen, as the case may be, or, 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 or uh, even your wife or husband, uh, with any of these problems. So that would be one of my first suggestions is, is take care of yourself really well. Uh, the second is when you're dealing with anyone, but especially the younger kids, teens, positive reinforcement is so important. Um, many of the kids that I see uh, get, you know, 12 negatives to every positive, and it really should be the other way around. You can always find something, however small, to, to say to the child or the teen, you did that really well. The, the, the fact is that, that you get a lot more with positive reinforcement. And, well, you have to be consistent and you have to be fair and you have to be firm uh, about, about things, whether it's meals or bedtimes or what have you. You have to, you have to marinate that, if you will, uh, in, in, in a lot of positive reinforcement uh, about what the child or teen is doing right as opposed to what they're doing wrong. I also think it's, it's very important for caregivers to seek out the best care. Um, right. There are many, many sites that one can go to. I, I do not recommend anything that is not what we call evidence-based, where you can go to the, the uh, you know, uh, National Libraries of Medicine. PubMed is the, the website, P-U, uh, Pub, P-U-B-M-E-D. Anyone can go on that, and whatever you type for a search, you will get only peer-reviewed, published research. I review for four senior journals. And I turn many papers down because they just don't cut it. So whatever you're going to advocate for your child or teen or spouse, you know, with, with ADD, obesity, sleep apnea, autism, read up on it. But read peer review uh, journals. Uh, there's a lot of negative commentary about a variety of things that are not science-based. But also remember, take care of yourself and try and be as positive in your reinforcement of, of strategies and structure for your 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 teen or your child as you possibly can. Right. Kim, again, same question. What role do you see for family caregivers in caring for young family members with these conditions we're talking about that lead to obesity and the related problems of obesity? Kim? Okay. Um, I think that my answer parallels Lance's quite a bit. Um, Words that come to mind for me are nurturing, supportive, patient, um, it can be a really frustrating change for the most grounded of families. Anybody, especially children, can be extremely resistant to change. Um, encouraging, encouraging the kids without being forceful is such a narrow balancing act. Um, of course, the faster change is implemented, the faster you're going to see results, but the goal is to guide our children into wanting to make the changes, helping the kids to understand that the food they eat will help them to feel their very best, or their very worst. 
Um, the other thing I'd like to note, uh, especially for parents of younger children, is to trust your instincts. Uh, this is in regards to parents who suspect an ADHD or an ADD problem. Um, I notice behavior and mood changes with my own daughter based on what she is or isn't eating, even though there are many experts out there that say there's no scientific proof. Um, I have debated with colleagues in similar professions about whether or not there are any bad quote-unquote foods. But I say this, the absence of proof isn't the proof of absence. Mothers and fathers know their children best, period. If you suspect that there's something in your child's diet that's causing a behavior problem, you have a lot of options. Don't accept that there's nothing wrong or there's nothing to do as an answer if it's not sitting right with you. More and more conventional doctors are looking at alternative health care, um, but if yours isn't one of them, you could look towards a holistic nutritionist, naturopath, homeopath, even chiropractors have a role in managing behavior issues. Um, and finally, I want to stress the importance, I guess, of making um, time to implement the changes. We're all very busy families, and we struggle to find time to be present with our kids. Um, get every family member involved in helping with household tasks. Uh, it's very tough in the beginning, but once a routine is set, and it can be as quick as two or three weeks, it becomes normal, and it just becomes your new routine and it improves the quality of the whole family's lives. It's so well worth it. Now, just a little bit of a summary back to you both, um, but it concentrates on one word and the family caregivers. It's the word stress. Throughout the history of this Family Caregivers Unite talk show, and I've, I've been at it now for two and a half years, the pressures on family caregivers in all kinds of ways get clearer and clearer. Um, they very often feel alone. Um, they exhaust themselves uh, physically, psychologically, and tragically too often financially. And so it raises a question in my mind, which um, perhaps we won't have a chance to answer, but are we people, parents who get stressed, somehow setting bad examples of the way we use food to relieve our stress. And I'm going to confess to something here. When I'm stressed, I overeat. And I don't think I'm entirely alone. And my kids are grown up. But that would be a very bad example for me to set for my children. So that's something um, that um, we should perhaps uh, dwell on, but at another time. Because once more, it is time for us to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned, we're coming back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com What's the national pastime in the U.S. in the 21st century? Are you sure? Think again. Three out of four Americans have made NFL football the true American pastime. It's now one of the fastest growing sports in the world. But how do we as fans understand everything that goes on behind the scenes? Tune in to Enter the League with Eugene T. Lee Esquire as your host. Eugene was the featured NFL agent in the ESPN acclaimed documentary, The Dotted Line. And now he takes his expertise to the Voice America Sports Channel. Listen every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. 
In your family, what is most important to you? Is it health? Relationships? How about getting along better with your kids or your parents? Maybe it has to do with losing pounds or gaining financially. Whatever the problems you face in your family, you'll want to tune in to Family First with your host, author, and speaker, Randy Rolfe. Since 1985, Randy has become the foremost expert on matters concerning the family, and she can help you. Family First airs live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Your hosts, all eight of them, have been selected by Kids First as film critics through a national competition. Each week, they will preview new movies before you see them, walk the red carpet with the stars, and will review the latest DVDs. Our hosts range from ages 7 to 14 to give you a wider kids' perspective. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Lance Levy and Kim Banting. Our topic is ADHD, autism, obesity, and sleep disorders. Now, let's take those disorders, you know, the ADHD, obesity, sleep, and look at these as challenges for various sectors and systems, you know, namely the healthcare system, the food industry, and family caregivers. So I want you both to identify the priorities that you see and you would like to see for those systems. Now, first of all, Lance, uh, you're part of the healthcare system in relation to all the things you've been talking about what are the priorities you would see for the healthcare system well um the priority if it were possible uh would be to prevent things before they got started uh once once a child is, has been uh, allowed or taught to, or encouraged to uh eat improperly to not have a bedtime to not have any regularity uh, in in their day-to-day existence uh, it's very hard to get them back online and frankly the, the older they are the harder it gets by the time a child is, is eight or nine years old if they've had very little uh, in the way of meal times or food teaching or exposure to sports and activity it is a devil's business to try and get them up and going particularly if the parents are not leading the, the, the challenge leading the, rather the, the, the path now, for the, the other thing for the healthcare system is it's not sustainable to keep treating illness as it, as it arises. Uh, we have to get to some sort of uh, building a dam where we stop this before it gets uh, to crisis proportions. The increases in, in ADD, obesity, autism, and sleep disorders almost certainly are environmentally triggered. 
Uh, there's genetics. God knows there is. 60 to 80% is genetics. But certain genes are turned on and certain are turned off by what you do, what you eat, whether you exercise, whether you stay up late, and whether you play video games. And it's a mess. Uh, I, I don't speak as an expert in that part because I, I don't research video games. But um, the increases in these things over 30 or 40 years is a thousand times faster than a genetic change could possibly explain. So I think what we have to look to is our environment and how we've changed the world over the past 30 or 40 years in a way that our brains and our bodies are absolutely not suited for. And I call this the perfect storm of the 21st century because I, I do believe that's what we're seeing. Right. Tim, what are the priorities you see for the food industry? Okay, well, um, first thing I would like to see is that the healthcare system acknowledges that there is a problem with our food supply. At this time, um, I'm concerned about relationships that are between the food industry and our healthcare system, and where I see big business concerned money talks and funding is given in a manner in which I see a conflict of interest. I would like to see advertisements for fruits and vegetables instead of sugary cereals and fast food restaurants targeted at our children. Um, I would like to see the healthcare food system fight this battle against junk foods that we saw fought against tobacco companies. Processed foods and some of the added filler ingredients are raising our risks of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and so many other lifestyle diseases I can't even list them all. And there is great a danger to our health and a burden to our health care system as smoking is. Approximately 80%, this is an estimate, um, of the health benefits we get from a healthy lifestyle come from the food we eat. If you think of your body as a well-functioning machine and the food as the raw materials that make that machine run smoothly, you can get a picture. You wouldn't put low-quality gasoline in your Maserati, and you shouldn't put low-quality food into your body. Uh, so my next point would be that we need to begin educating the public about how different foods affect our bodies. There is a chemical response in your body when you eat an apple, and it's very different from the reaction that you get if you eat a fruit roll-up. They're both carbohydrates, but your body doesn't respond to them the same way. The food you eat is information for your cells, whether it's good or bad. And the same nutrients that give a plant or an animal the ability to grow moves into our bodies when we eat it, and it activates our growth and repair systems. So the quality is imperative. Um, much of the foods that we're eating today, it doesn't resemble anything that came from nature. And the food that you see sitting on store shelves in brightly colored boxes is dead food. It's devoid of nutrition. And I say to people, food that doesn't contain life can't sustain life. Interesting comment. Now, I'm going to ask you probably the most difficult question in a way. Both. It's the same question for both of you, starting with Lance. What are the priorities you see for the family caregivers? What's your message for them? Um, I think uh, you, you alluded to it earlier. Um, I'm very concerned at the chronicity of illness and, or, or condition, let's put it that way. Uh, many of the things that I see don't go away. You know, you can treat them, certainly, and you can do various things, but they don't disappear. Uh, obesity is a chronic medical problem. ADHD is a chronic neurodevelopmental disability. Autism, similarly. Uh, sleep uh, disorders are mainly environmental, but 30% are, are genetic. 
Um, so don't burn out. You have to you have to pace yourself, and you have to be realistic as to what your expectations are, both from your child or, or spouse and and from the system itself. I'm not saying you shouldn't advocate uh, a lot, but the, the the second second commonest reason for people failing is is they get so angry because their expectation was wrongly set that they just throw up their hands and, and walk away. I, I think it's really up to physicians and other caregivers in the health industry to uh, help people be realistic uh, about what to expect and how to help in, in, a, in a long-term constructive way. Kim, priorities you see for family caregivers? Well, um, the most important one is that they definitely nurture and take care of their own needs because then they can be at their best for caring for their loved ones. Um, I also encourage people um, to educate themselves on all the various possibilities and options that they have for caring for their loved one. Ask a lot of questions, do a lot of research. There are a lot of qualified professionals out there that are available to help us. Um, I find that a combination of practitioners is often going to be of the most benefit because everybody's trained in their own specialty and can fit into a space where some, where, the, where your needs aren't being met by somebody else. Um, never give up trying to assist the best that they can. Um, it's exhausting. Uh, it's an exhausting position to be in, but our family, family members are so cherished and their quality of life is really valuable. Um, I believe, I know that it's possible to improve most conditions in many circumstances. Um, when you pinpoint exactly the root cause of the problem and what the individual's needs are, because it's always different, um, I don't believe in one-size-fits-all healthcare. Two kids with the same diagnosis are going to get varied recommendations from me depending on what I determine their weakest link is. Um, and for caregivers who are interested in natural alternatives that are less invasive for their family members, you could also get involved by helping us to attain better recognition within our government um, with nutritionists, naturopaths, kinesiologists, um, treatments like chelation therapy and detoxification. The services can be very expensive um, and some of us are covered through health insurance plans. None of us are covered by OHIP, um, but a lot of people are finding help with this. And at this time, our organization, as well as the College for Naturopaths, we're seeking more recognition within Health Canada. Uh, we have petitions that we're having filled out and sending them in because we have a valuable um, a valuable asset to offer to the healthcare system in the role of prevention and reducing the burden on our emergency systems. Right. Now, I'm going to just feed back to you another impression I've got is, and I'm being a bit personal when I say this, you are both activists in the sense that Lance is pointing to the environmental challenges um, that overarch our times and that are so significant. And you, Kim, are pointing out it is in a way another form of, uh, of uh, environmental challenge, but it's your point about food and how we understand it, what we're told about it, and the messages we get regarding it. Uh, now, the reason that I'm raising activism with you both is twofold. First of all, um, this Family Caregivers Unite talk show is actually encouraging 
activism on the part of family caregivers. That's what the Family Caregivers Unite means. It means that as a group of people, they need to be expressing their needs. Um, their needs are to feel that they're not alone. Their needs are for information. Um, their needs are to participate in methods that are introduced to deal with problems. And very often, and I've said this before, and I'll say this again, I am very impressed by the number of family caregivers who aren't waiting um, you know, for the healthcare system or the industry or anything else to come up with solutions. They're working on these for themselves, developing them, and just as you've done, Kim, and I think just as you've done, Lance, built practices, built businesses, and are moving things out. And I think it's a major and very positive change in our society, but I also think it's profoundly needed for the very reasons that you've been talking about. So it is time for us to close, unfortunately. So I want to say thank you to our listeners, and I want to say thank you especially to you both, Lance and Kim, for what you've been saying, which is this convergence of a kind of activism, a sense that there's a lot to be challenged, but there's a way to go about it, there are questions to be asked, and there's information to be provided. So if you would ever be interested in doing another episode on Family Caregivers Unite together, I'd be more than happy to work with you. So now I have to say goodbye. But in our next episode, and this is for our listeners, we're going to be talking about how and where family caregivers find the information they need. So to our listeners, please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around.